Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl, and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship, and building in public. This episode is called Operating a Calm SaaS Business. And first, a word from our sponsor. MicroAcquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace, and it's simply the most efficient way to sell your business when you're ready to make the next move. And typically, as a first-time founder, you really have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you're selling a business, when you're going through this acquisition process. And MicroAcquire wants to change that for you and empower you when you're speaking with buyers and then really streamline the process of getting acquired for the maximum price that you want without any headaches that might come along your way. The process is complicated, and if you don't know what you're doing, then usually there's going to be an issue, but not with MicroAcquire. And to date, they've helped hundreds of startups successfully get acquired. They have facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. So if you think about selling your business, you want to check out MicroAcquire. Go to microacquire.com to learn more. And now let's get started. For most founders, running a business is juggling hot coals while riding on a unicycle. It's a stressful occupation and it requires constant vigilance, and it offers barely any downtime to recover or relax. But it doesn't have to be that way. Let's talk about work, calm work today. The history of work is many things. It's complicated, full of oppression and revolution and automation, and then returning to artisanal values. There's a lot there, but it certainly doesn't end in the 40-hour workweek or its entrepreneurial cousin, the 24-7 workday, where every waking moment is spent thinking about and working on the business. Many historians claim that there was a time before work was a job before it consumed our lives. It used to be an expression of achievement, they say, the counterpoint to leisure, and then also to many, a punishment and a burden. In our current economic reality, it's all of the latter, all the burden, and very little of the former, the expression. The world is full of insecurity and ruthless competition, and yet it is also a path to wealth creation and self-actualization to build a business. Phew, that's a lot of pressure on a single word, work. And pressure is a commonly felt problem in entrepreneurship. The more stress and anxiety we feel about our business, the less calm we become. And as a consequence, so do our companies. Justin Jackson, who I really admire, has been working on building a calm SaaS business with Transistor FM. As an experienced founder, he has understood that a company can only run calmly when the people working on it are cared for. So he asks himself how he can create a calm system for people to work in. And his answer is prioritizing the quality of life in his business. No matter if it's the life of the founder or of the employees, people will feel stress if they're overburdened or underpaid or unhealthy and not enjoying their work. Any process and choice made to eliminate any of these stressors will benefit the calmness of the business. The first step towards this is actually turning this into a success metric. While it's incredibly hard to measure accurately, calm companies can implement a regular internal survey or self-reflection if you're a solopreneur. The idea is that what gets measured gets optimized. So if you only look at MRR figures and conversion numbers, you risk ignoring these important mental health considerations. So let's take a look at how you can improve the quality of life for the people operating in and on your business. The most stressful times in my own SaaS business were the days when something happened that I wasn't adequately prepared for. Notice how I said not adequately prepared for. 
not surprised by it. Surprises are something else. If they happen, well, you just have to deal with them. That's where founder ingenuity comes in, and it's where we shine the most as entrepreneurs. But those days back then that I experienced where I had something that I'd done before, maybe once or twice, but not enough to do it habitually, those are the days where stress creeps into our day-to-day -day operations. How do I exactly log into that one virtual machine that I haven't touched for half a year? Or what kind of file does my tax advisor expect again? Haven't done that for a couple months. These little moments of uncertainty are where stress finds its nourishing source within you. And fortunately, there is an antidote to that. It's what I call repetition-validated after-the-fact documentation. The process of writing down your process the moment you've done the same process twice. With anything worth getting right every time, the second time is usually when you understand the typical steps and where you deviate from them when you execute the thing. So that's a great opportunity to then implement a standard operating procedure at precisely that moment. And having a catalog of these SOPs, these procedures, calms down any business significantly. It's what journaling does for the mind, but apply to your business. The moment you write down things that matter, your brain and the collective brain of those who run the company relaxes, knowing that the knowledge is located in a secure external location and they don't have to hold it in all the time. For critical steps, like safely deploying your production system or restoring a backup from a remote system, you should document the process as you're doing it the first time. And in my business, I always have a Notion document open with an SOP template ready to go. And that way, when I notice that I'm going through an important process for the first time or something that's not as important for the second time, and I usually only notice that mid-process, I can backtrack to my first step and then catch up documenting while I write down steps as I do them. And at the end of the process, I have a clear log of my activities that I can repeatedly use whenever the task needs to be repeated. And SOPs like this, they go beyond repetition. They are the prerequisite for optimization and potential automation. A business that automates away all of its chores is a safer and therefore calmer organization. When you build tools that can execute a job reliably and quickly, you create more time for yourself and your employees to spend on things that are not yet able to be automated. Every morning we wake up with different levels of motivation and attention to detail, right? So with a well-documented process, we level the playing field and allow ourselves to perform spectacularly well every single time. And SOPs can get stronger. So let's keep a couple things in mind here. A strong SOP is an up-to-date SOP. Every time you execute the process, you have a chance to amend and adjust it to the current needs of the business. Found a new or faster way to do something? Incorporate it into the SOP while you change the process. Stale SOPs will cause problems when people unfamiliar with the job are tasked to execute it for the first time. A strong SOP also incorporates as much information as possible without duplicating it. There's a very famous acronym in the software engineering world, DRY. Don't repeat yourself. It's a handy principle when it comes to coding. If you have only one source of truth for code, one location for each function, you don't need to change it in 20 different places when you want to update your code. And the same goes for documentation. If you want to reference another process or things like usernames and passwords, link to another SOP or to a password vault somewhere. Interconnected SOPs are much easier to keep up to date because once you change one thing, everything else has changed. A strong SOP can also be considered to be an automation candidate. If you can spell out every step along the way 
of this process in great detail, it's likely that a machine can take it over or at least manage to do most of the work for you. The more fine-grained your description, the more easily automation can hook into your operations. And it usually starts with semi-automation, like feeding a new article into your help desk whenever you encounter a previously unanswered question from a customer. Now that you have formulated a response to them, it can then automatically be suggested the next time someone asks if you build an SOP out of it. And it will serve as this SOP for you too, should there ever be a more complicated but related problem in the future. Robust documentation creates easily automated processes. The central property of a calm collection of processes is staying ahead of fatigue errors. If you need to do the same thing by hand a hundred times, you'll end up making a mistake. But a process that's documented tightly and automated as soon as possible drastically lowers your error rates. And fewer errors mean a more relaxed operation. And you probably won't be surprised that calm software engineering is just another facet of establishing calm processes run by calm people. Automation and documentation are also at the core of a calm coding environment. One thing impacts your engineering practice the most, and that's automated monitoring. It has several layers, and I'll go through them from the most obvious and the most common ones to the least expected ones that you may not have heard before or even been thinking about. Monitor your production systems. That's the biggest one. It's the most common and on-the-nose kind of monitoring. If your product isn't available to your customers, you will have a bad time. So for that, you want to monitor availability and uptime using a service like Pingdom, for example. If anything happens to your production system, you'll be quickly informed and then you can react before too many customers experience issues using your product. Most of the time, you can even learn about problems before they appear at scale and cause an outage. For that, there's error tracking, both on your servers and in the browsers and on the devices of your customers. You see new waves of errors all at once and within seconds after they happen. And you can sometimes fix those minor issues without your customers ever noticing. Tools like Sentry or HoneyBadger integrate into your full tech stack and then enable you to track and trace every single error. And some problems won't show themselves as these discrete error events. That's why tracking latency and traffic spikes is something your monitoring tool of choice should support. It's not something I'd implement on the first day of your business though. Uptime monitoring and error tracking, well, they should be there from the start and anything else can come at a later point. Once you have a system that is being used by paying customers, once people actually give you money, I highly recommend looking into monitoring performance using APM platforms like New Relic or AppSignal. Those platforms deeply integrate into your code base and databases, and they'll show you bottlenecks and particularly slow parts of your application. Because if you ever need a, to grab a low-hanging fruit to deal with, these tools will present you with the highest impact of resolved issue, and then you can fix it quickly. Generally, having some sort of automation check your code on a regular basis, it's a pretty good idea. It starts with linters and formatters to make the code more readable to yourself and your employees, and it can be expanded into things like security scanners. Those tools check the libraries and platforms that you use if they have any weaknesses. Personally, I'm torn on writing too many tests 
within a software system because testing is important at a certain point, but spending a few weeks to set up end-to-end -end tests and then scrap them a month later when you rebuild a large part of your application, that's just a waste of time. If you want to test, write unit tests that handle the user management routines, login, sign up, and account changes, as well as all payment-related methods. At the very least, the most important parts of allowing people to log in and pay for the service are handled this way, and those are quite relevant to your business. The next part is monitoring your development and deployment process. If you have tests, linters, and security scanners, you should run them every time you build and deploy a new version of your app. Best run them before the deployment. Of course, testing in production is a risky choice and it's never the calm one. Setting up a staging system to catch surprise issues like this is a good idea. What will make the deployment process a calm one is a combination of insights and optionality. If something goes wrong while your code is compiled and packaged up, you'll want your deployment pipeline to track those errors and then prevent the new code from reaching production. If things work out, but there's a problem that you didn't foresee in production, you will then need to be able to switch back to a working version quickly. Switch over backups are always a good idea. And mainly when you work with deployment artifacts like Docker containers or Java packages, they're easy to accomplish. If you can just roll back to what worked a few minutes ago, your deployments will be much calmer and you will be able to relax instead of being freaked out. Monitor your external dependencies because it's not just your code that can fail. In fact, most of the time, the stressful situations come not from your product failing, but from some dependency you're using. Whenever you integrate a service, be it a file storage or a payment provider, you must also ensure to keep an eye on their uptime. Most larger businesses have status pages for their products, showing their historical uptime and any potential ongoing issues right now. These pages have notification options for mobile alerts or emails, and you should subscribe to them for every single service that you use. That way, you can quickly react to any emerging problem before your customers even notice. And for most founders, this is where they stop caring about the dependencies. But I have learned the hard way that you need another kind of external monitoring. You have to keep an eye on the trajectory of their business. That's right, you have to become interested not just in their solution, their product, but also where they are going as a business. Will this company stick around for a while? Were they just acquired by someone else? And how does this affect the product? Are they having trouble retaining their customers? Could they be bankrupt soon? This is stuff you need to care about. And as much as this is annoying, it's critical for the stability of your own product. You wouldn't connect your house to an electricity system that may or may not work on any given day just because the power plant is understaffed. You need a reliable power provider for your home and you need reliable dependencies for your business. Usually, you can see this kind of stuff coming from a mile away, but occasionally, companies just implode and you'll scramble if you're not prepared to replace the service they used to render. You also have to monitor your externalities because since we're reaching the end of what can be monitored internally, let's take a look at the non-obvious things you should keep an eye on outside of your coding environment. That's still relevant to your SaaS business. Few things are more disastrous than losing access to critical parts of your business due to negligence. But you'll be surprised how many businesses have let their domains expire. Or, and this happens all the time, even to big IT business, they let their SSL certificates expire. In both cases, customers are blocked from accessing the services they pay for, and that's bad for something that usually has a couple of years of lead-up warning time. Domains, certificates, 
email service and other services need to be constantly checked. If they have to be renewed, that's a priority task. And if they're good to go, well, then you know at least how long you should wait until you check them next. Set calendar reminders to do these checks maybe once a month or at max once a quarter. Don't forget to check your backup systems too. Have backup systems. Maybe that's another thing you should really do. If you have all your essential documents in one place, you should automatically send them to a backup drive and then check if you can actually restore them from that backup. Backup is only as good as your capacity to actually recreate the data it supposedly contains. Finally, a calm SaaS business checks its competitors. There are tools for scraping their landing and product pages to inform you about changes, but I prefer the manual approach here. Keeping an eye on the competitive landscape will quickly alert you to changes you need to either respond to or at least have a response ready for. You sense the theme here. Preparation from day one and reducing the amount of surprise work at the later point. That's the theme. The hard part is knowing what enough preparation looks like. And it's easy to do too little or way too much. Here is the list of things I go for from day one. Number one is a Notion or a Google Doc with a simple template for a standard operating procedure. Have that and you'll be ready to do whatever. Then availability monitoring for your production app on the server side and error tracking for your production app, client side and server side. Then finally, subscribe to all outage alerts for all major dependencies the moment you integrate them into your system. Anything else can wait until you feel the need for it, but don't ignore those other kinds of monitoring either. Try to establish them within a few months of having paying customers, because the moment people put trust in your business by opening their wallets, you owe them a serious long-term approach to operating your business. Calmness thrives where founders prepare by establishing well-documented process and then monitoring the business's operation, the implementation of that process, and taking a look at the market at large, calmly. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Boots of Founder podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. you find my book, Zero to Sold, and The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course, find your following there as well. If you want to support me in the Boots of Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.